we will end our December long study today on the birth of the Christ. It all comes together here in this final message, the proclamation of his birth. But when we first looked at the place of his birth, there was within that proclamation of his birth, as well as within the peculiarity and the purpose of his birth. But we are specifically focused then as we bring it all together on how now the Christ of God has come into the world. He came in the incarnation, in becoming flesh. He came to a particular place because there God would become a man, divinely selected by God. And that particular place has a history. We looked at that. And there were points to be made all along the way with regard to the Christ in those places as they especially were described in the Old Testament. The peculiarity of his birth, the virgin birth, uniquely qualified, produced his own blood, which is scientifically correct. He was outside the nature of sin. The sin nature of man did not rest within him. But he was a man. He was fully God and fully man, yet virgin born, which led to the purpose of his birth that he would die for our sins. He would be the Lamb of God. And in all of humankind's history, from the first of us to the last of us, only one would be the Lamb of God. God, who became a man at a particular place, in a particular way, for a particular purpose, my salvation, my redemption. If you're in Christ, for your redemption as well. Let's consider then finally the proclamation of his birth. And we'll be bouncing around between Luke and Matthew here in, this, uh, in the message. We start in Luke chapter 1. Some of this we've looked at before, but we didn't wear it out, so we'll look at it again. The first to proclaim, or one of those that we will look at to proclaim the birth of the Christ was the angel, Gabriel. In the greater context, he's called Gabriel. So we know he's Gabriel. Gabriel is seen also in the Old Testament, especially in uh, the book of Daniel. It was Gabriel who brought the message from heaven with regard to the 77-year periods determined for the people of Israel. And in that 69th 7, Gabriel announced to Daniel that the Messiah would come and then he would be cut off. He would be he would be murdered before he received anything. That is, namely, to be enthroned on the throne of David physically on planet Earth. 
So Daniel is an Old Testament proclaimer of the birth of Christ. But that same, that same Daniel who received the message from Gabriel, that same Gabriel brings the message in clarity here in Luke chapter 1. And answering, the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore also the Holy One being born to you will be called the Son of God. All of heaven has a message. And the, angel, the uh, Gabriel would be the messenger to bring that message. That message is that heaven is indeed coming down in the Holy One, the sinless one, the separated one, the sanctified one, the only begotten Son of God. And he will be called the Son of God. So in this proclamation, this child to be born of the virgin to whom he is speaking is no less than God who becomes a man. A little young teenage girl, this was a, this was a heavy message for her to consider. So the first proclamation we consider comes directly from heaven. Of course, as it had, even in the Old Testament. It was God Almighty, first of all, and we looked at it in our second message. It was God Almighty who first proclaimed His birth in declaring and promising that the seed of the woman would come and would thus crush the head of the serpent. Now heaven sends the messenger, Gabriel, and explains and declares and instructs to the virgin that the child that will be born from her is the Holy One, the sinless one, the Son of God. Now the next two proclaimers are Elizabeth and the baby in her womb, Elizabeth being the cousin of Mary and her baby being John the Baptist. Then Mary, having risen up in these days, still in Luke, went with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah, and she entered into the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. It came to pass, as Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out in a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why this, that the mother of my Lord, why is it that this, is how you would translate it, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, as the greeting of your voice came into my ears, the baby in my womb leaped in exultation. And blessed is the one believing that there will be a fulfillment to the things spoken to her 
from the Lord. What a deep and profound statement. John the Baptist, six months older than Jesus, his cousin. John the Baptist himself, in his own little way, proclaiming the birth of the Christ, the one whom Elizabeth calls my Lord. Elizabeth herself in that declaration declares and proclaims the birth of the Christ of God and extends something of an invitation that will follow Christ through his life and ministry and it is this. Blessed is the one believing that there will be a fulfillment to the things spoken to her from the Lord. Now there would be a great separation among the Jews with regard to Christ when he begins his public ministry. There would be those, of course, who would humbly and completely collapse in faith to the fulfillment of the things spoken of Mary. There would be those who not only would not believe it, but they would actively resist it to the point of conspiring and attempting to murder Jesus, the Christ of God. It is something of a focal point in that it goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15 and the hostility, the enmity, the hatred between the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. All of the Old Testament finds the unbelieving world seeking to destroy anyone connected to the promise of the birth of the Christ. Even nations were raised up seeking to destroy the very nation who carried within it the promise of the Christ. Now this goes on through the Bible even into the, even into the New Testament and even to seek the destruction of the Christ child himself. And over in the Revelation, the summary is given of how the woman travailed with birth and it speaks of the it speaks in the feminine of whatever either collectively as a nation or even singularly as as a as a particular woman in the lineage of Christ how she would suffer and travail in bringing this this man this this child into the world that the last book of the Bible would look back and summarize all of the history of mankind. And it didn't focus on world wars and kings and kingdoms, most of which, most of whom, have been forgotten. I, I get these, these uh, I get them online, these, these theological reviews and these archaeological reviews, uh, the biblical archaeological some really fascinating things 
that you can study and they'll, they'll find some inscription somewhere or dig up some rock that has a carving on it and they will discover the history of a, of a, of a nation never known before. Of a king who lived in his day of splendor but has long been forgotten. That's not how God looks at history. History is seen as the struggle between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Blessed is the one believing that there will be a fulfillment to the things spoken to her from the Lord. It goes just beyond the earthly ministry of Christ because Gabriel also said that he would be a savior to his people. We'll see more about that as we go along. Mary becomes a proclaimer of the birth of the Christ. Still in Luke, and Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked upon the humiliation of his handmaiden, the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things to me, and holy is his name. His name. The holiness, the virgin herself understanding and declaring the uniqueness of the one virgin born. Then there's the father of John the Baptist, Zachariah, is an old guy, and he and his wife Elizabeth, they were old, naturally, seemingly beyond childbearing years. And yet Gabriel comes and announces to him, that they're going to have a child. And then because he questioned Gabriel, Gabriel said, I'll tell you what. You'll shut your mouth and not say a word until the child is born. Kind of irritated Gabriel. <laughs> you don't want to irritate Gabriel. So he wouldn't let that. But now the baby's born. Zachariah. Then his father, Zachariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and gave this prophecy. Now, speaking of the birth of his son, John the Baptist. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant, David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Now, you would have to go back and see what Gabriel said originally to Zechariah to understand that the birth of John the Baptist was connected to the birth of Jesus Christ and that John the Baptist had a particular ministry to announce and to proclaim and to straighten the way and to call God's people to repentance so that they could be prepared for the coming of the Christ. Now with that prophecy, that with that promise that Gabriel had made to Zechariah, with the birth of John the Baptist, filled with the Holy Spirit, Zechariah now 
declares the importance of the whole thing and focuses on the son of David and the redemption that is coming through that one because now the promise has been fulfilled with the birth of John the Baptist and John the Baptist will proclaim the coming of the Christ. Zechariah underscores the importance of the message that his little boy will bring to the world. Joseph proclaimed the coming of the Christ. Then Joseph, we're in Matthew here, chapter 1. Then Joseph, having awakened from sleep, did all the angel of the Lord commanded him and received his wife and knew her not until she had brought forth a son and he called his name Jesus. Now we would have to go back here to understand the proclamation that Joseph is making because the angel had said to Joseph, don't be afraid. It's kind of confusing to you because your betrothed is pregnant and the two of you have never been together. But this thing in her womb, this one in her womb is of the Lord and he gives to him this explanation. And then he says, and you will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And so then what does Joseph do? He called his name Jesus, Yahweh Savior. Yahweh saves. Yahweh redeems. The next proclamation comes from the multitude of the heavenly host. This is in Luke now in chapter 2. Suddenly there came with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Now this is directly from heaven. Gabriel came to prophesy the virgin birth. Now the whole bunch shows up. And the multitude of the heavenly host show up to proclaim the birth of the child Jesus. Praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace in men with whom he is well pleased. Now there's the Greek and that's how it's literally and actually and absolutely translated. On earth peace in men with whom he is well pleased. He calls us to himself by his pleasure. I am saved simply by his pleasure. If for whatever reason, it pleased him to save me. Unworthy, no, no, no better than anybody else. Suffering in the same sin nature of Adam. But it pleased him for some reason to call me to himself. Because the arrangement had been made in the eternal 
covenant of the blood from before the foundation of the world. And so the multitude of heavenly hosts come to proclaim the birth of my Savior. And they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace in men. In anthropos, in men with whom he is pleased, who are in his pleasure, who as he pleased to do so. Declaring the birth of my Savior. What, what power it would take for a Savior to redeem just one of us. But to redeem all of those who are in him. No wonder the heavenly host would glorify God. Just another demonstration of absolute sovereign power. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace in men with whom he is pleased. And it came to pass, still in Luke. And it came to pass... As the angels were departing from them into heaven, then the shepherds proclaimed his birth. The shepherds were saying to one another, Indeed, indeed, let us go through as far as to Bethlehem, because earlier the proclamation, the declaration was, and the city of David has been born. A Savior, Christ the Lord. They were saying, let's go as far as Bethlehem, city of David. Let us see this, the word that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And having hurried, they came and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Now having seen, they proclaimed abroad concerning the Savior, having been told them concerning this child. Now Jesus, having, now we're back to Matthew. The final group that we'll talk about the, who proclaimed the birth of the Christ are the wise men. The, they're called Magi, they're Magoi. They, now Jesus, having been born in Bethlehem of Judea, and this is, Jesus is not, he's, he's a little older than just a little baby. In the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem. Let me stop here. Wise men from the east. I've talked about this before, but it's, it's appropriate to note every time when we see these wise men. They are a particular case of scholars, historians, theologians, scientists, astronomers. I read this some, some years back. I, I read the history of these men. It's, it's, it's fairly easy to follow their history backward. And one of the things they were noted for was that they had this very large pool of water. 
where they stayed and studied. And this pool of water was such that it stayed very still. And the waters would not ripple. They wouldn't let anybody ripple the waters because the waters reflected the sky at night, the stars. And they would spend a great deal of time at night studying these stars, the position of these stars, the motion of these stars. And they could note anything that was a disturbance and that was, seemed unusual. Now these men in the East, academically, are descended from the seers, the soothsayers of the book of Daniel. Perhaps you'll recall in the book of Daniel, Daniel saved the lives of these guys. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to know from his wise men about his dream. And they said, well, you have to tell us the dream before we can interpret it. And that didn't sit well. He said, well, if you're what you claim to be, you'll tell me the dream and then you'll give me the interpretation. And then remember the guy who was there and interrupted. I know a guy. <laughs> he interprets dreams. They brought Daniel. Daniel told him his dream, gave him the interpretation. And then in the, in the course of the whole story, in the course of Daniel, he interceded for these wise men. You know, they're doing the best they can, poor fools. They ought not to be killed just because they don't have the spirit of prophecy that I have because only God can give them to it. You can't threaten that kind of thing into a guy. You can't learn it in school. You can't inherit it from your dad. So, you know, to paraphrase, Daniel sort of stood in for them. Now, the belief is that from that point, these guys really admired the God of Daniel. And so they studied the writings of Daniel's people, Israel, which at that time would have been the Torah, mostly. Perhaps the prophets as well, but especially the Torah. In the book of Numbers, of all people, the guy whose donkey spoke to him, remember him, Balaam? His fourth oracle. He defied his king, Balak. When Balak was wanting to stop these people from marching across, the Israelites from marching across his land, headed to the promised land, he said, look, you're not going to, there's nothing you can do to stop these people. His star is going to come out. And he's the king of everything. That's paraphrasing. So in the book of Numbers, a specific prophecy speaking of the star that would be a star specifically for the king of the Jews, the king of Israel, was something that these guys were focused on. Now, you can take Daniel's writing other specific prophecies and actually you can do a time date on the, on the approximation of the birth, the date of the birth of the Christ taking from what you know in the Old Testament. That's what these guys did. 
So they knew it was time, and then there's the star. So they make a, an arduous journey from where they were to come to Jerusalem. Behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he, having been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and are come to worship him. What do you think of these guys? I've done, it's been years ago, research. It doesn't say there were three of them. There's no way of knowing how many there were, really. One guy quoted some historical records that he had found. And he said, you know, there could have been a dozen or more but these guys are rich and they're, they're wealthy, they're well-known and they're famous and they have an entourage that goes with them. So literally hundreds of guys on donkeys and camels could have shown up. I don't know that, but I'm just basing on what I've read from other accounts of men who have studied these people and how it would have been. So, you know, it would have been no small stir among the brethren for these guys to have shown up in all of their splendor and glory. They have come, listen, they have come to worship the king by whose power they were saved in the book of Daniel. The one who stood with the three in the fiery furnace Surely they thought, if, if indeed that many people showed up, surely they would have thought that all of Israel would have been gathered around that child, already worshiping him. But what did they find? Nothing in particular. A penniless carpenter with his wife, struggling. And they came and they enriched Joseph and Mary, so that Jesus could be raised. He was protected in Egypt for a while, thus fulfilling another prophecy. The wise men came to proclaim the birth of the Christ. The world knew about it outside of Jerusalem and outside of Bethlehem. But nobody seemed to care. Especially not Herod the Great, who, as the story continues, sends his soldiers to kill every male child aged two years old and under. The warning then being given by these very wise men that the Christ child should be cared for carefully. They knew the whole world would be out to kill him. The proclamation of his birth. And that proclamation hasn't stopped. And it will not stop. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? We... 
have deacons and wives just across the hall as you exit. Ready to pray with you if you would come to Christ today. If you know that the Lord is calling you to his salvation, they're ready to pray with you. Maybe you're here and God leads you to come and be a part of Shiloh. Be a member of our family. They're there to take care of all of the details with you. So you are invited today to come to Christ. Let's all prayerfully stand.